Welcome to the Bards FM Podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to Hiding in Plain Sight. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And it is Wednesday, June 8th in the year 2022. And the more crazy it gets with this current administration... It came out today, obviously, that our failed disinformation governance board under DHS had plans of censoring every American who had opposing views. We are being taken over aggressively by an insurgency that's come from within, a government that is completely turned against its people. This is, by definition, trees a, a dystopian, treasonous government. What no longer anything that we can trust. And so much that is going on before us is being masked and hidden by a disgustingly traitorous media that continues to hide the truth and keep the truth out of view so that they can continue their operations in the shadows to try to take this country down in which is proving to be an unprecedented rate. Before we begin, make sure you're taking good care of your wealth and all that you have these are treacherous times, and you need to have good advisement on how to take care of that wealth, and the folks at Birch Gold can help just with that. Patriots, we have been witnessing the economy slowly go through a death spiral, and the Fed has boxed itself in. The economy is in dire straits, and thanks to a loose money policy, there's no end in sight. Apparently, you just can't spend trillions every year without repercussions. And now, in an attempt to play catch-up, the Fed is raising rates and plans to do it seven more times this year. We're already starting to see the ripple effects in the housing market as people's buying power diminishes. What are you doing to protect your money? Have you considered what could happen if the stock market continues to fall or worse, crashes? Don't wait until that happens. Take some of your profits from the stock market now and solidify them with gold from Birch Gold. Throughout history, gold has maintained its value better than any other investment in the world. So text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to the number 989898. Again, BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to the number 989898 for a free zero-obligation info kit on holding gold in a tax-sheltered retirement account. Again, text BARDS to 989898 and secure the gains from the hard-earned capital that you have. Join the thousands of Happy Birch customers, the countless five-star reviews, and an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Birch Gold, they're professionals, they're some of the best in the market. So again, text BARDS at 989898 to protect your future with gold. And Patriots, all those links are below. One last thing before we get rolling tonight. This Friday evening, we have Ted Nugent on. And I'm really looking forward to, uh, this is going to be a really good interview. Oh man, take it! And if you haven't heard his latest album, you can find it at tednugent.com. We're going to talk 2A, we're going to talk liberty, and we're going to talk about all those great things that make America great with one of America's great patriots, Ted Nugent. So I think we'll have a great Friday night, so make sure and join us and spread the word. Uncle Ted's got stuff to say, and he never holds back, so it should be good. Yeah, the new album is over at tednugent.com. I think you'll like it, and I've got that posted up on True Social and on Gab as well. Okay. So one of the things that we are facing right now is an issue of truth, constantly, speaking of truth. And the problem is it's not even just truth in topic. It's truth in who people are. We have fallen as a nation. We are a nation that, as right now, lives with this perpetual notion of crime. And because we are in crime, we're constantly in fear. And because we're constantly in fear, we have lost our ability to see truly. Take a listen to this perspective 
on what America used to be like some not well in the 1800s at least. Hundred years ago, in cities in America, you know what they did not have, Commissioner? Locks. Locks. Now I ask you all, what happened to that country, man? A country where homes were built in cities with no locks. A country where guns were everywhere and virtually not regulated at all. Where millions of Americans, 14 million Americans came back. It's 11% of the population at the time, after World War II, with incredible skills of war and weapons of war, as you call them, everywhere. But we didn't have mass shootings. No, we didn't, because we know that these mass shootings are engineered, for the most part, and manipulated by a particular agency. That agency is known with three letters as the CIA. It's an agency that has, for the large part, gone rogue along with the FBI to turn its skills against the American people, to infiltrate groups, to pose as other people, and to cause insidious damage on the psyche of America. Their whole principle is to tear America apart from within. So the real question is, what exactly are some of the things that they do to do just that? And tonight, what we're going to focus on is masks. This also begs the question right now of who we're really seeing in the media. We're witnessing people, and there's tons of anomalies. There's this perpetual question of who is Joe Biden? Because I will tell you, the person that's there is not really Joe Biden. You can't change your earlobes when you get older like that happens. You can't change the separation of your eyes or the chin shape. There's too many anomalies that are occurring there. So we see that same thing. If you dig deep, you'll find similar anomalies with Nancy Pelosi and similar anomalies with just about every single character in the public eye. What is that all about? Well, let's take a listen to begin with tonight with somebody who was an expert in mask technology for the CIA. My name is Jonna Mendez, and I was chief of disguise at the CIA. One of the things that was going on when I was chief of disguise was an enormous uh, research program into the new advanced disguise system. It was basically the masks that everybody always wondered if we used masks, and this was the beginning. This is a series of photographs of when I met George H.W. Bush in the Oval Office and revealed to him that I was briefing him wearing a mask. It was a big challenge to come up with something that finally actually animated and worked to really fool a person. But we did. We actually brought Hollywood back into our labs at one point to look at what we had done. And they were stunned. They are absolutely stunned. My husband was Tony Mendez, and he was played by Ben Affleck in the movie called Argo. They didn't mention it in the movie. But Tony had deep connections to Hollywood, to the, the tradespeople out in L.A. that did a lot of things we were interested in doing, special effects people makeup people. Tony was chief of disguise 10 years before I was chief of disguise. And so he passed on some of his expertise to me. But he had a particular interest in the magic industry out in LA. Not so much the magicians on the stage, but the people that were working behind the scenes to make that magic happen. So we went to LA and we posed some questions to them. We said, we have a problem. We're looking for novel solutions. Well, LA did have some ideas, of course. That's what they do for a living. They uh, introduced us to a new concept. They said, what you are calling an operation, we call a performance. That's what we do. We put on performances. And before we start working on that performance, we have to initially, we have to define the stage that the performance is going to take place on. Then you have to know who your audience is. Who are you playing to? Who are you trying to fool? Once you assemble those two pieces, you can pretty much choose the time and choose the place and simply overwhelm them with your performance. Then they showed us some tools that they used the one that really caught our eye is what's called a stunt double mask. You all know how they're used. When the movie star is so famous, 
are so good looking that they can't risk damaging him. We liked the idea of stunt double masks. They're quick on, they're quick off. Uh, they dramatically change your appearance. And we started using them and found them to be valuable to our operations. But that audience piece of it did not allow you to get close enough to one of those masks before the illusion fell apart and you saw it was a mask. So we went back to our disguise labs out at Langley and we invented a whole new genre of masks. Masks that are so good, that are so realistic, that you can actually get up close and have a personal contact with someone for an extended period of time. They're good enough that you can brief the President of the United States in the Oval Office wearing a mask. And he isn't sure if it's you or if it's, uh, if it's someone else. Those masks were the beginning of a whole new generation of work that we did at the CIA. Once we could make these masks that fit you so well, then we discovered we could make a twin. We could make another you. There could be two of you. We could actually make five or six of you, but usually one extra was all we needed. Jonah Mendez was working for the CIA at the time when she went into President Bush Sr.'s office in the 1990s. She passed through the security check with the Secret Service, wearing a mask. She sat down and she briefed him. You can find this article, in fact, on the Daily Mail. And it's, the title is Incredible Moments CIA Head of Disguise Wore a Mask as She Briefed George H.W. Bush in the White House in the early 90s before dramatically peeling it off to reveal her true identity. She did the briefing. And in fact, then, now president had been former director of the CIA, George Bush, was informed that he knew one of the people in the room, but they were in disguise. He got up from his desk and he walked around and checked everybody out and he sat down and at the completion of the briefing, Jonah Menendez took off the mask. It's a matter of seconds. These masks are built to be put on and put off within about five seconds. And she revealed herself holding the mask in her hand in front of him to be the woman that he had known. She went from being a brunette in presence to an actual blonde underneath the mask a full head of hair. Again, you can find this article on Daily Mail. It's fully documented. It's also in one of the books about the CIA that's out there available. This technology was done in the 90s. Now, I just want you to consider this as well because this technology that was created in the 90s that now Jonah Menendez is able to talk about publicly was classified until a few years ago. When something gets declassified so that you can talk about it, it means that they have exceeded the capacity in new capabilities, and, and that revealing it is no longer a threat to tradecraft, which means that whatever they're dealing with now is far superior to anything that they were dealing with then. And we'll, I'll give you some thoughts on that near the end. The idea of masking is used all the time in Hollywood. These are the stage masks. These are the masks and the, the costuming that takes hours to put together. Listen to this three-minute piece and just consider the magnitude of what you're going to hear. This is an FBI informant that they are hiding their identity on for a show on TV. And the journalist is willfully participating in this masking of this individual for the protection of identity. But imagine what that would mean if they were willingly participating in the masking of identities of people on a daily basis. They were pretty intense. Uh, the FBI, obviously, he's, a, he's a, a, probably what they consider a pretty serious asset. He, he's, he's a Muslim American, he speaks Arabic, and, um, and he has the experience to do these kind of operations. So um, they wanted to be really, really clear that his identity would be kept private and secret um, because he's been doing this for a lot of years, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who'd like to know what he really looks like, and he wants to keep doing this because he's he's good at it, and and he's has the training and the experience and the background to pull it off. Well, I can tell you that there was uh, some pretty serious efforts made for us not to meet him or accidentally meet him, 
Um, he had to stay on a different floor of the hotel than us. He had to be booked under a, a false name. I wasn't allowed to be in the lobby when he checked in. They, they wanted to be really, really careful. But there wasn't an accidental meeting because it, his identity is so sensitive around this. The biggest one was for him to appear on camera, he needed to look nothing like his real self. So um, there was a lot of back and forth on how we were, to, we were gonna do that. In the end, we settled on a sort of a Hollywood style prosthetic makeup process that actually took five hours to install. Um, he had to sort of go to the makeup company before the interview several hours before and have it, have it put in place. And when he arrived, he actually allowed me to touch his face and um, it sort of moved like a piece of rubber on his face. It was, but when you look at it, when you see it on TV, you'd never know. There's a, there's a person underneath that face that looks nothing like the face. He said he looked in the mirror and, and he had no idea who was staring back at him. So if you could even fool the person looking in the mirror, you know you're gonna fool people watching the TV show. And this was important. This was really, really important to everybody that his identity not get compromised. We, obviously, we don't use his real name in the story um, because that's a secret. We, we don't refer to where he lives or whether he has family. There's no personal details. That was really important. And we alter his voice as well because, again, he needs to continue to be able to work. What's interesting about the story that we get to tell is it takes place in so many different cities and locations and, and, and situations around the world, really, Canada and the world, that it gave us a real opportunity to kind of bring it to life. Um, but again, we had to be mindful of the fact that when we're representing him on television that he doesn't, what we're showing doesn't look like anything that someone might think they recognize. So it's all, you know, we're very careful not to show a face or not to show a, a, a real shape of a head. We had to be very sort of impressionistic in the way that we, we visualize this and the way that we bring it to life. And the other thing we can say is that um, because he's written a book and he goes into a lot of detail in terms of how this was actually pulled off, how this work was pulled off, it really gave us an opportunity to bring it to life because we had those details in the book. We were able to work from the book and almost make a small movie about his life because we just had so much to work with in terms of what had happened and where it happened and how it happened, and um, we think it brings it to life. I mean, I've obviously been into situations where we have to put people in shadow or where, they're, you know, where their employment may be at risk, but this is a situation where his life is at risk. If the, if the wrong person figures out what he really looks like or where he really lives, he could be killed. So the stakes had never been higher. Technology by itself is agnostic, meaning it takes no political side. It has, no, it has neither an intent of being good or intent of being bad. All of it depends on who controls the technology. So for every bit of good, there is obviously the potential to use it for the bad. What we have witnessed in these last couple of years has been some amazing levels of bizarreness in our media. We've seen anomalies that don't make sense. We can establish that there's green screen. In fact, the, the latest picture from the Royal Palace with the queen in a green dress, which just ironically is the green seems to be their color now since we've got green shoes on the shooter or the victim of the shooting in Uvalde. But anyway, we can establish that that picture was actually a green screen picture by some of the digital anomalies that exist on the lower end of the picture. Much of what you've been witnessing in Ukraine are deep fakes. These are renderings that have been created, filmed on sets, and rendered by artificial intelligence. And in the level of fourth industrial or the fifth dimension of warfare, most of what we are fighting now is based around artificial intelligence and creating imagery and concepts to change the perception of what reality is. But like every war, there has to be boots on the ground. You can't fight a war exclusively in a digital realm any more than you can fight a war exclusively from the air, the sea, the land, or space, or the digital domain. Every time a war proceeds, there has to be, to a certain degree, boots on the ground, which means in the concept of fifth dimension, the fifth dimension of warfare, where you are dealing constantly with perception, masks are and must be an integral part of the scene because you are dealing not only with Sets, which we know for a fact a set has been built to emulate the White House briefing room. We know that that exists. We've even seen the footage of the, of the news reporters, quote unquote, going into a tunnel into this set. We know that they exist on the set. So ask yourself a question. If the reporters know that they're on a set, 
Why aren't they talking about it? What you just heard there was a reporter from the Fifth Estate discussing his interview with an FBI agent and discussing it as if he was a producer on a major Hollywood set. He's talking about the setup of the makeup, the masking, all the details that were going being done, including the lighting and how they were going to shape the imagery. If he has that much knowledge and that much willingness to protect an asset, why wouldn't they do the same for others? This isn't a far reach. And what we get hit with constantly is the doubting. We know the technology exists. The CIA admits the technology. And they show us the technology in different forms. If you've seen Mission Impossible 3, you've seen the 3D printed mask. That's not all Hollywood. In fact, that ability to do a 3D printed mask out of a small suitcase mobile unit is very real. And it is done. The critical thing about that scene that you see there is that the masks that are used today by agents, by this sort of level of operation, even in the sense of Hollywood, they what makes them so powerful is they're sculpted to the actual face. If you go down to the party store in which you buy as a mask, that's just something fun to wear. But if you go to, say, a place like Revolution, or excuse me, Evolution, which is evolutionmasks.com, and you check out the masks that are there, you'll find out that there's a whole other level of masks available of Hollywood quality for a price. You can get many, many variations of the mask to put on. They are full face, full hooded masks that come down to your lower shoulder. You can add hair, you can add eyebrows, you can add goatees, full beard, long hair, short hair, all of this. And they're hand-stitched and they're molded to general face sizes. These aren't specifically molded to your head shape, but they're, they have three different head sizes you can choose from. The masks begin at $600, and by the time you get through detailing them out, they'll range anywhere from 1000 to $2,000, depending on how much hair and facial hair you have. These masks can be put on in a matter of minutes. And because of their detailing and because of the way they fit, they are almost fully articulated. Take a listen to this story here about masks in the, what's on the market these days. These hyper-realistic masks aren't anything new. We've seen them in the movies. But what seems to be new is that the price has been coming down quite significantly. Um, can you talk about maybe the evolution of the industry here, how this is becoming more available for regular folks like us? I think this started off in like Hollywood special effects industry. And there were a few uh, craftsmen who were, who were masters of this particular form of artistry and uh, were involved in sculpting and monster making and all the rest of it. And they developed these techniques using various materials over the years. They started around 600 up to 1,000, maybe $1,500. So I have one here that's uh, kind of an old favorite, this one. So as you can see, um, it's made of the silicone material. Silicone is very durable, but also very flexible. And it kind of kind of looks like uh, human skin, in fact, which is the idea, of course. And it's uh, not what most people think of when they think of a mask, because it's a single piece that goes right over the head, down the neck, uh, and over the shoulders. So there's no visible join at all. So each one is hand painted. Everyone is unique, but you see all the all the details like little freckles and uh, all the wrinkles are there. Each one is hand punched with human hair. So in this case eyebrows is a bit of bit of ear hair there for added realism. This is another example I've got that uh, has a full head of hair. All of these developments over a number of years have led to the position we're in now where there are some manufacturers around the world producing similar products along those lines and as a consequence the price has come down a bit and, and we're starting to see these uh, more widespread than they were initially. I mean, you have clearly shown that humans are not very good at picking up these these masks, um, but might that actually pose a problem for facial recognition? Um, are computers actually going to be able to recognize these as fake faces? Although these hyper-realistic face masks look a lot like real faces in, in uh, the visible 
spectrum of light. There, there are other parts of the light spectrum you could potentially play with. So let's think about infrared. Um, the thermal signature of a real face is going to be quite different from the thermal signature of a masked face, especially when that mask is made of silicone, because silicone uh, is, is a very good heat insulator, right? So you can imagine if you had um, infrared vision, which is a problem for humans, but not at all a problem for automatic face recognition systems, that might just be a really quick and simple way to tell, well, that's not a real head that I'm looking at because it's not glowing. Are there gaps in the way that we as humans can perceive faces? This is a question that, that's kind of new to science. And we know that there's a range of ability in identification tasks, just telling who's who. Some people are really, really good at that. And in security and forensic contexts, there's increasing interest in, in being able to screen for those people so that you can assign people to tasks that involve face recognition who are naturally good at that and tend not to make mistakes. Whether you could do the same with this new task of detecting synthetic faces is, is an open question, but it's one that we're looking at. Facial recognition software works on algorithms to scan your face. Adding thermal imagery or infrared sensing allows them to detect the heat to try to discern between masks and other prosthetics that are placed on the face. What was discovered in the Hong Kong riots is that people were able to put on physically very visible masks with very square and hard lines. These masks then could be have or have on them projected a dazzler, which is a moving image, or even a hologram image that would map to the face to look like a different face. What is able to fool the the um, artificial intelligence facial scanning software throughout the, throughout the country and throughout the city of Hong Kong. Masks themselves, though, when we're dealing with here, are what people are perceiving before them. These are masks that look extremely real. They articulate with the cheek, with the lips. They articulate with the eyes. The latex materials that they use mold tightly to the face, and that allows them to stretch and be pulled on very much like if you imagine a, a opening up a balloon, and but more to a large size of your head and being able to quickly pull it over your face. It will mold quickly to the nose, the mouth, the mouth and the cheeks, and it's a full facial connection. When you add other mechanics to that, which are done on the masks that are not commercially available, you can add things like heat, heat and you can add other articulations in there that can absolutely fool these sensors and actually look very real. Most of this technology evolved in the need that came out of the Cold War. There was an inability for the CIA to penetrate deep into the Russian area and behind the Iron Curtain and to develop intelligence without being identified. And so as they were doing work, much of it out of the embassy in, the, in Russia, in Moscow and other places, agents had to have the ability to quickly dawn on something that they could, could obscure their identities and move around. These techniques have been used since then regularly all over the world. And so the idea, as you heard previously, of looking at a stuntman's mask, which was a very quick-to-apply mask rather than the Hollywood traditional mask that took hours to apply, like the example of the FBI agent we gave just briefly. These masks were developed to be very quick on within five seconds or so, so that in an agent that was moving about, say they were being pursued, could actually take that out of their take that out of their pack, take it out of even from underneath their arm. They were built to be that compressible and to just flip it on their face very quickly and then continue to walk down in the middle of a crowd. A lot of the tradecraft that you're, that uh, the mask works around is blending in so that you don't stand out. And essentially what you're doing then is you're joining a tribe, if you will. So if you pay attention to what goes on in a city, you'll notice that in every city, every place you go, people have, there are ways people dress. If you've traveled around the world, hopefully you've kept your eyes open to that. And there's ways that very quickly you can start to dress like people locally without even using a mask and you can blend in. So for example, if you're going to look like a hipster in one group in the United States, there's a quick way between the beard, a beanie, some glasses, 
and a few other things, the way that your your outfit comes together, you can look pretty hipsterous very quickly and blend in and people won't think twice about it. That same application works all over the world in different cultures. And it takes time to study the details because the details do matter. And once you start to understand the details, then there's other little things you add to the experience so that you become invisible. Essentially, you become what's called a gray man. You don't stand out. You're walking within the crowd. If you can add, if you're in a foreign country, if you can add a few words in a vocabulary, like 50 words or so of a basic vocabulary with a proper accent so that if there's any sort of basic engagement, you can move on and skirt on around that, but you won't be sensed as being something foreign. If you can add a between the shoes and the way you walk is very important because you won't stand out in the way you walk in your pacing, your timing, the way that you hold your body, how you stride, how you move your hands. All of this is trained. It's all acting is all it is. Literally, the world is a stage. And once you begin to understand all these nuances, it's very, once you do it one place, it's very quick to apply it to others. This is literally how I moved around Afghanistan. In Afghanistan, I'm a, I have red hair. Most Afghans are dark hair. So I worked around the character of a Nuristani because Nuristanis had reddish, red, reddish hair, so strawberry blonde, and they had reddish beards. So it was very easy for me to create a profile of a Nuristani. I had a special tailor make all of my clothes that, who was from Nuristan and miss, didn't miss a detail. I went down to study the watches, the cars they drove, the shoes they wore, even how they walked, how they talked. And I was able to present myself at a conference of over three, over 150 Afghan officers with the senior officer for all the country who had just two weeks prior, unbeknownst to me, had his life threatened or attempted, they attempted to take his life by a Nuristani assassin, which was an interesting moment. But I was actually able to walk up to him. He knew me personally, and I had no special makeup on or mask, but simply by my dress, my demeanor, the, my conversation I had with him, he did not recognize me and saw me as a Nuristani. In fact, his words to me in Pashtun were, what can I do for you, do for you my Nuristani brother? All of this is about perception. And it is being done, it is done all the time from undercover work to covert work. And it's being done right before you on TV. What you are witnessing and everything you see on television, on the presentations from our, our, from everybody in DC right now, it is all a stage and the details in which they are using and the methods which they are using, it combined both physical masking and digital masking through green screen, other CGI techniques. And like we mentioned before, deep fake development. All of that allows for a perception to be developed of what is real. So when we take the hand puppet Joe Biden and his handlers who stole the election on January, on November 4th, 2020, with their army of people, the way that they've been able to sustain that fraud is by continuing the perception that he is legitimate and real. We know that on day one, this fake president couldn't get into the White House. So how is it that the briefings were continuing? And if you remember early on, he was showing up in strange places that supposedly kind of looked like White House rooms, but seldom ever in the, in the Oval Office. There were many problems with that because the stage that they were using wasn't quite ready until they finally built the White House briefing room, which is where he does most of his show now. All of this is acting. All of this is masking. All of this are perceptions. We've seen close-up pictures of Nancy Pelosi where the mask is actually pulling away from the eyes. People don't want to believe this. That's the problem. And that's the most powerful part of the illusion is people deny the truth and therefore are easily fooled. And this is what we are dealing with, a struggling of an awakening across this nation and this, the people that are asleep are being led along by actors and fiction that's right before them and they believe it because they refuse to let themselves believe otherwise. That's one of the greatest tricks of the stage musician, magician, magician. And you heard the comment made by the, by Menendez earlier that her husband had studied magic. One of the people I worked with from the CIA worked with magicians for that very reason. 
because they have all these crowd reading tricks and methodologies of how to create an illusion right before you without you even realizing it's happening. All of it is based on understanding people's basic nature and behavior. If you act like you are supposed to be somewhere, seldom will people ever question why you're there. If when you see somebody reading a meter alongside of the road and they're in a yellow vest, how often do you think to yourself, that guy could be a covert operator observing a house? You don't because you think instead he works for the cable company and he's checking out the cable stuff because he's got the right vest on and he's got a little meter in his hand. You see, this is how you blend in and this is how you hide in plain sight by becoming normal not abnormal. Hollywood presents this always as a different way. They've tried to present you like the deep, dark operator, the Jason Bourne, the the Mission Impossible team. But the truth is that most of the covert work that is done would look fairly boring from the outside, even though it's very sophisticated. The key to all of this is always blending in. And it's some things that you can learn for yourself just for your own security, especially in times of crisis. You have to pay attention to the sorts of things that people don't pay attention to. Gray sweatshirts, gray hoodies, and, and standard green cargo pants. Those are not things that stand out. And in fact, in a profile description, you'll find that when people start describing people that are in that outfit, they can't describe much more. So if you are wearing a gray hoodie and you're wearing green cargo pants, and you wear just a regular set of tennis shoes, nothing flashy, definitely not like Nike, red, whatever they are, Jordans or whatever, but everything is just kind of normal. You blend in because nothing stands out. It's hard for people to distinguish you from others. That's a trick that most good criminals use. It's a trick that gangs use, other than gangs that are trying to identify themselves by their colors. And these same tricks, which have been, in brought into the agency and other agencies for years, they've simply studied how gangsters and criminals work and they've mainstreamed that into operations to enhance their covert capability. Masking is a very real art. And if you spend some time just looking at CIA masking techniques or just go look and do a search. And I gave you one evolutionmasks.com. Take a look at these masks and study what they do. It's really phenomenal. And these things are available over the counter. These aren't even dealing with advanced labs. But the difference between what you'll buy, like I say, at the party store, which is like $30, $50, versus a mask that's at the level of $600 to $1,200 or $2,000, these masks are stunningly different. And their capability is stunningly different. And all of these things, I guarantee you, there's plenty of people that carry that in a go bag because they can blend and disappear by face. We are, we've been lulled to sleep for many, many years. And so much of what we are witnessing right now in our world has taken advantage of us still being asleep. More and more people that research are waking up to realizing what it is that we're actually seeing on TV. And the beautiful part for the, those in power that are manipulating TV and on the web is they have, on, in addition to the physical presence, they have the digital environment to manipulate your reality. But like they were saying earlier in one of these comments, is the masks actually, you can, if you touch them closely, you can find out that they're actually not real. But you have to get that close to see on many of these things. And masks are being used regularly now in crimes. There's a whole story of a criminal that people were following in, in Southern California. An older man, supposedly, in his 70s, it was robbing the banks, and he actually became a cult hero until he got away, and they've never found him. But what gave him away that he wasn't an older man anymore is because when they finally got close to him, he was sprinting at a near record pace down the street like maybe he was 20 or 30 years old instead. You see, the disruption, all of what we look for is consistency. And the problem with our brains is that we will fill in the blanks if we don't force ourselves to question. Joe Biden is a great example. 
People don't want to believe that he is anything other than Joe Biden. In spite of the fact that we can show evidence that his earlobes are different and various other facial features don't line up, there isn't a cognitive willingness to accept the fiction rather than to accept the truth and to question. And that's what makes all of covert work in things like this work so well. Is it because people don't want to believe what is the truth? It is important to study masks. It is important to study the tricks of Hollywood. There is a reason that one of the national headquarter offices for domestic operations for the CIA is embedded in Hollywood. There's a reason that they have had a relationship with Hollywood for years because it's so much of what is done in these areas is the art of illusion. It's making you believe something when it's not true. And that's the whole center point of the fifth dimension of warfare is because everything is about tricking people to believe in something to make a decision that will then affect a lifestyle and lead you into a trap. The color revolution, the whole principle of what we were, what we had happened to us on November 4th was a color revolution. It was a revolution that was created by fake ballots with a media that reported fake numbers that ginned up the actual results, followed by various actors stepping in place to claim a false narrative, reinforced by other actors that were literally masked to reinforce the false narrative, including who is supposed to be the president of the United States, followed by and, uh, and surrounded by production experts that were good with lighting and CGI and deep fakes, green screening, and massively roll this out. And in, quite frankly, if you find out, and I believe it will be something like this, I can't prove this exactly, but I think you'll discover that most of the perception of this entire government was built probably on a back lot set in some small soundstage somewhere around the world, and that everything that people have been following and believing has been a movie production. Washington, D.C. is vacant. There's hardly anybody there. And in spite of all the attempts of people to try to prove otherwise, it's vacant. There's hardly anybody there. So where is this theater being produced and how much space do you need? My guess, maybe 5,000 or 10,000 square feet under roof and an outdoor area. And you now run an entire country of 330 million people, all because you've mastered the art of the mask. Imagine that. And you want to talk about stupid people? Yeah, an entire nation, a nuclear power that has been taken down by a handful of FX specialists that have literally led us into one of the greatest destructions and traps in human history. If you question that further, just check out NASA because almost everything they did from the moon landing forward was fake. And it continues. As long as people see it and are told to believe it, and that's the key, they will. It works. I'm speaking firsthand. When you can go through Taliban checkpoints, dressed as a Nuristani, and get to those checkpoints, or dressed as an old man, or even at one point as an old woman in the back of a car as guards were poking around with their AK-47s, and you can pass muster simply because they're being told what they're looking at, and that was always the trick. You can do that anywhere in the world, even in a first-world nation that's the strongest nuclear power ever known to man. Patriots, let's pray. Heavenly Father, We thank you for this time we come together, time tonight that we're really focused and praying on the breaking of illusions, to shatter that which is before us, which is a lie, to give people eyes to see and ears to hear, to truly see through the manipulation, to understand more deeply what their eyes are actually seeing and to trust in them. 
to trust in the doubt of what you see and to question and to make sure that you question everything so that we pursue and find the truth. Guide us in these times, Father, with discernment and power of grace. And we say these things in Christ's holy name. Amen. So patriots, there's one lesson in all of this is to question everything. Don't take things for granted and question everything. We don't know the truth. I've said this many times and on many different topics. Don't get fixated on a single truth. The world is greater and more complex than anything we've ever imagined. And when it comes to the illusions of the world, they're greater and more complex than you can imagine. But at the same time, they're built on a fundamental principle. If you're told not to believe something and you agree with it, the illusion continues and it continues with ease. Question, dig, question, dig, and continue to question even when you think you have the answer. And as a result, the illusions will never trap you. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. This is a critical time right now for prayers for discernment because we need a lot of it across this nation. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. 
It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.